0: Welcome to the Victory Orlando podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Today I want to get to the word and continue in this series that Pastor Chris started on David. And it's really a powerful story of David and the conquest of Goliath and him becoming king and all the journey that he's on that you'll continue on over the next few weeks. But one of the things I think that's important anytime we're hearing stories from the Bible or we're looking at principles from the Bible, that we really remember this. It's not just about the character, or it's not just about the principle. It's not about the set of do's and don'ts, or rules, or uh, laws, and regulations. It's really helps us continually as we read the Word of God to remember the faithfulness of God. The Scripture is a manuscript of God writing to us as His creation, from Genesis to Revelation, reminding us that He's faithful. And if that's the only thing that you hear today, you can hang your hat on that, that God is faithful, that he hasn't forgotten you, that that he didn't misplace you, that he didn't set you aside and leave you off in the wilderness, you know, and wonder, where did I put that person? No, God is faithful that all throughout scripture, when you come to church and when you enter into the house of God, when you're in the presence of God, one thing you should feel and remember is the faithfulness of of God, even if you've not acknowledged it, even if you've turned your back on him, even if you ran from him, even if you've messed up a thousand times and you continue to trip up over the same situation, remember this. God is faithful. And one thing that helps me is that even at times when I've been faithless, God has been faithful, that he's full of faith. He fills me with faith. And so be encouraged with that as you hear these stories and as you learn about the principles and the promises of God that it helps you to realize that God will be faithful to you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them this, God is going to be faithful to you. We start our reading today in 2 Samuel chapter 9 verses 1 through 7. It's a story of David as he's on search for one of Uh, Jonathan's children, and we'll read about that. It says, One day David asked, Is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? He summoned a man named Ziba who had been one of Saul's servants and asked, Are you Ziba? Yes, sir, I am, Ziba replied. The king then asked him, Is anyone still alive from Saul's family? If so, I want to show God's kindness to them. Ziba replied, Yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive, yet he is crippled in both of his feet. The king asked, where is he? He's in Lodibah, Ziba said, at the home of Maker, the son of Ammil." So David sent for him and brought him from Maker's home. His name was Mephibosheth. He was Jonathan's son and Saul's grandson. When he came to David, he bowed low to the ground in deep respect. And David said, greetings, Mephibosheth. He replied, I am your servant. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show you kindness because of the promise that I made to your father, Jonathan. In fact, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here at the king's table with me. Come on, that's the reason to rejoice right there. The word of the Lord is simple, and it is this, that you have a seat at the table. Tell somebody next to you, you have a seat at the table. You have a seat at the table. Come on, let's pray as we look at the word today. Father, I thank you for these next few moments that we have together. I thank you that your word is alive. It's powerful. Then it's performing today what you put it out to perform. It's producing change in our lives. And I pray over these next few moments, you would help me to communicate accurately and effectively so that it would bring change in us and through us. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Have you ever been at a place and you're with a group of people, and you went and got a table and realized there's not enough chairs. You ever been in that situation? Maybe there were six of you, and there's only five chairs, and then awkwardly you tried to bow out of the dinner, right? As if you didn't come all that way to have dinner with them. Oh, it's okay. I'll just go find a table somewhere else. It's all right. I'll go get another chair somewhere else. How have you ever been there before? Come on, don't point at the person next to you if they were the one that forgot you. We've all been in that situation and we have different responses. Some of us are the people who sit quickly at the table and we're like, oh, I got a seat. We mark our territory, we take our seat and act as if we don't realize there's not enough chairs for everybody else. If you've been that person, we'll forgive you today. And then there are those who, who scramble around the restaurant to find the chair, even if it's not theirs, and grab it from someone else. Hey, are you using that? Okay, thank you. And you take that chair just so that everybody can have enough. Or you're the person who just kinda act, you know, like, oh, it's all right, I'm just gonna go chill over here. Well, wherever you are in you know, that situation, I wanna encourage every single one of you that you all have a seat at the table. That God has not forgotten about you. That God didn't misplace you. In fact, God has a seat for you at his table. And through this story, what we see is that David was telling Jonathan's son, Hey, you may have been in Lodibar. Lodibar is a place of, of exile, a place of shame. It was a low place, a desolate place. It was a forgotten place. If you study the history of this city called Lodibar. But when you think about the fact that here is royalty sitting in a lost place. Here is royalty sitting in a low place. He had royal blood running through his veins, but yet he thought everybody forgot about him. And you think you're the only one. You think your situation is unique. Well, maybe God forgot about my family. Maybe he forgot about my promise. Maybe he forgot about my children. He didn't forget because you're royalty as well. You have the king's blood running through your veins. You you are a child of God. In fact, when you got saved, you got bought into the royal family. And as we look at this story of David, it's helps us to see a type and a shadow of how Jesus paid the price for us, how that Jesus made a covenant with God, that he would come here to the earth and he would ransom his life so that you could be reconnected with your king. You could be reconnected with your creator. And in fact, what he tells you is you have a seat at my table. That you don't have to feel like an outcast. You don't have to feel like a lower than. You don't have to feel like I'm not good enough. No, God says you have a a seat at my table. And this particular story, Mephibosheth, he comes into that gathering that David had invited him in. But he comes in on his crutches. Because the Bible tells us that when he was five years old, he got dropped by one of the servants on their way out of town. When they were running for their lives, he got dropped. And after that, he was crippled. So he comes into this meeting crippled from a low place, crippled by his circumstance, by his situation physically, but also on the inside. Can you imagine what he was going through? And David wanted to encourage him to say, look, you may be crippled on the outside. You may think you've been forgotten about on the inside, but I didn't forget about you. God didn't forget about you. In fact, you need to remember that you have a seat. At the table. Do you know what I recognize through that? That even a person who may have physical limitations when they're seated at the table, everything's the same, right? It's okay. We'll just let the crutches drop because I don't need them when I'm at the table. I don't need to worry about, you know, my deficiency when I'm at the table. I don't need to worry about the limitation when I'm at the table and. Mephibosheth, you know, he was feeling like, oh, I don't even know if I'm where he was scared for his life. But David said, look, I'm not here to harm you. I'm actually here to bless you. I'm not here to cast you out. I'm actually here to bring you in. Think about how this compares in our own life, how that sometimes we think God is ready to just knock us out when God actually is ready to lift us up. We think when we make a mistake, God is up there ready to pounce on us. And God's actually ready to pick us up. God's actually ready to help us because we need to remember We've been given a seat at the table. Tell somebody next to you, you have a seat at the table. In this particular passage, we see that this son of Jonathan now is able to step in to this place that was provided and given to him because of who he was and whose he was. And for you and I, sometimes we need to remember that as well. That who we are, is we are children of God, that that we are no longer who we were. The Bible says we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that when you've come to that place of surrender, where you surrendered your life for his and said, God, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to serve you. That doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. It means he's perfecting you. It doesn't mean you'll have it all figured out. It means he has it figured out. But when you follow him, more happens in your life. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. That means you don't have to have 10 steps figured out. You just need to know what the next step is. And this is what we see in this story of David and Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan. Try to say Mephibosheth five times real fast. It's hard enough to say one time. When you look up the meaning of this word Mephibosheth, it actually means born out of shame. So he was one born out of shame, but David brought him to the table and said, look, you may feel shameful, but you don't have to be ashamed. You may feel lost, but you don't have to live lost. You, you may feel like an outcast, but you're an insider. And I want to tell you today, regardless of what you feel like, God sees you different. Regardless of your excuse, God still says, no, I chose you. I selected you. No, I have a plan for you. It doesn't matter what excuse you've come up with. I still decided to use you. Four people believe that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, let's do this. Remember where you came from. I remember where I. I remember. Do you remember how what it was like when you were lost, when you were hurting, when you were broken? When you didn't have direction, when you would wake up in the morning and you would feel so sick from your sin and so guilty from your shame. And even if you were one who said, well, that wasn't my story, then you had so much pride and you thought you were so much better than everybody else. That was your story. All right. Jesus came for the the unrighteous and the self-righteous. Okay. So wherever you find yourself, Jesus came for you. So remember the self-righteous season. If you can't remember the law season, because Jesus wants to transform all of us. Just shake your neighbor and say, "He he might be talking to you. So there's some promises from this story that I want to point out, because David was showing this kindness to Mephibosheth because of a covenant that he made with his father, Jonathan. And when we read the Old Testament, it helps us to understand the covenant that we've been given in the New Testament. The covenant that was purchased for us by the sacrifice of Christ. And it it was that covenant that allowed him to step in to get his seat at the table. But it's the covenant that Christ has given us through the purchase of his life, given over to The be crucified on the cross and then his resurrection that allows us to then access the promises of God. And so today I want to share with you a few thoughts from this story about some covenant promises that God has given to us. Three covenant promises that I recognize in this story. The number one covenant promise that I recognize is the covenant of restoration. There's a covenant of restoration in this passage of Scripture that is actually an attribute of God. 2 Samuel 9 and verse 7, it says, I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you can eat here at my table as long as you want. In other words, the thing that you thought was lost and forgotten, I'm going to give it to you. Everything that Saul owned, you're going to own. Come on, that's restoration. That's not just repaying. That is restoring. Yeah. Repaying is taking from something else and giving it to you. And it feels almost the same. But restoring is getting the same thing, but in a new way. Yeah. Getting it new and fresh. It's kind of like the other day when I went into the phone store and I was having some trouble with my phone. Everybody can relate with that, right? Yeah. The battery doesn't work. The software doesn't work. I mean, there's always something wrong with these phones that we pay $1,000 for. And so, or nine ninety nine dollars for the rest of your life. And so I was on the helpline for two hours doing everything she said to do. At the end of the two hours, I knew exactly what she was going to say. Sir, you need to take that back into the store. Why did you waste my time for two hours? For some reason, it's protocol because of the way that, you know, they need to waste your time. And so then I went into the store and I walk into the store. It's as if I didn't spend the two hours on the phone with the lady in the helpline. And they went through the same process that I went on with the lady on the phone. I said, ma'am, I went through this process. I know, but it's protocol. So another two hours went by. And finally, at the end of these two hours, they said, it's not a software issue. It's a hardware issue. In other words, it's not the brain. It's the body, The, the actual component of the phone. There's something wrong. And so this was the good news. After all of that hassle, they said, we're not going to give you a refurbished phone. We're not going to take your phone. We're not going to fix it. We're just going to go into the back and we're going to get you a brand new phone. Come on. That is restoration. All right. I didn't want a rebuilt phone. I wanted restoration. I wanted a phone that I bought two years ago to be brand new. And that's what I got. And that's what happens when God says, I'm going to restore. He says, I'm not just going to patch you up with some duct tape. No, I'm going to make you brand new. I'm going to restore you. In fact, the Bible even says when the enemy comes and steals things that he has to repay and that God will restore. So God restores you even when you've messed up, even when you've gone the wrong direction. The Bible says God is a God who restores. He restores things in your business, restores things in your health, restores things in your family, restores dreams on the inside of your heart. And my challenge and encouragement for you today is to just understand and simply remember a covenant promise that you have from God. And that is that God is a God who restores turn to somebody next to you and tell them God restores. God restores. There's a scripture in the Bible in first Peter five and verse 10. It says this and God, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you've gone through suffering for a while, will himself then restore to you and make you strong, firm and steadfast friends this is a great picture of the grace of God how the grace of God works in fact one thing we need to understand about the grace of God is that the grace of God is given to us and it enables us to experience what we don't deserve and we couldn't pay for think about that for a moment the grace of God gives you what you don't deserve and what you can't pay for Salvation is not something you can earn. It's given freely by the grace of God. It's not something that a million dollars in your bank account could buy you. But God gives it to you anyways. When we talk about restoration, we need to understand the power of his grace. So we have this promise of restoration. And that's really what grace does. It restores us. The second promise that we have here, the covenant promise, is this covenant promise of provision. Everybody say provision. Second Samuel nine and verse 10, it says you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and then bring in the harvest. Everybody say harvest Harvest. so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always be able to eat at my table. So not only will there be provision at the table, but there will be harvest continually. He said, you can go out into those fields and you can plant and you can harvest and everything you harvest, you can bring it to Mephibosheth and everything you harvest is his. And plus, he can always have a seat at my table. Do you know that's double harvest? There's harvest on the seeds that you sow and then there's harvest that you didn't even sow for. There's harvest that God wants to give you that you didn't even do anything for. There's harvest set up for your life that, that because of your intellect, you couldn't even get there because of, of your limitation. You couldn't even get to that place. But God says, look, I own it all anyways, and I'm the provider. So I have given you a covenant promise of provision. I just want to tell you this, give you a little news flash, kind of a ticker on the bottom of the screen of church today. And that is this, that your employer is not your source. The government, the government is not your source, right? The last name on your driver's license, that is not your source. The, the diploma that hangs on your wall, that's not your source. I mean, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're handsome, you're wonderful, you're talented. But you know what? All of that summarized together can't produce what you need in life. God is your source. Six people believe that. Seven, eight. If you think that the company that puts their name on that check that deposits that money in your bank account is your source, you're going to you're going to go through some tough seasons in life. If you think that, you know, you're smart enough to get what you need in life, then you're going to be lacking. You're going to live a life less than God's best friends. I want to tell you, the Bible says in Psalms that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And the new Caleb version says the oil and the gas gas underneath. All right. So he owns it all. He owns what's underneath and he owns what's on top. He, the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. So God is your source. You have a covenant promise of provision. Now, just because you're not accessing it doesn't mean the promise doesn't exist. Here was Mephibosheth in Lodibar. A desolate place, an exiled place, a, a forgotten place. Yet he had a covenant promise of provision. He wasn't accessing it. In fact, he didn't even know how to access it. But yet it was still there for him. And David had to call him up out of that place. Sometimes it just takes people calling us up out of where we are so that we can see ourselves the way God called us to see to be. And really that's what happens for us many times in, in a service we're listening to something. We're in this environment. It's kind of like I see part of what God has for me. But then someone calls out another asks No, 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 no. Did you not know God has more in store for your life? Well, I thought this was everything. No, I thought just salvation was good enough. But God says, no, 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 no. no. I have set up provision for you. Not only do I want to save you, but I want to help provide for you. Not only do I want to cover you with my grace, I want to enable you so that you can live right. I want to enable you so that you can make better children. I want to enable you so you can walk into the best that I have for your life. Do you remember the scripture in John chapter 10? I'm going a little off script here, but that's all right. If you remember the verse in John 10 and verse 10, do you remember it says, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy? The The thief. Okay, if you don't know that, it's an open book test. They'll put it up on the screen. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But then what did Jesus say? I have done what? I've come that you might have life and what? Life more abundantly. So here's just an easy litmus test to know where destruction comes from. If it involves stealing, killing, or destroying, it's not from God. Okay? That's from the enemy. But if it involves life and life to the fullest, guess who gives it? God does. You have a covenant promise of provision as I read through the scriptures, as I read through this Bible, not as a historical document, you know, with contextualization of who wrote it. No, I just believe what it says. I believe the Holy Spirit inspired it as the scripture says, as I read through this, do you know what God it's God speaking to us and it reveals who he is. It reveals the nature of God. One of the scriptures that I read here about the provision of God comes to us here in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8. It says this, and God is able. Everybody say he's able. 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 God is able to bless you abundantly. So then all things at all times. How often? You know, in Spanish, that it means the same thing. Todo. 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 Right. Every language in the earth, if you break that word all down, you know what it means? All. So that God bless you with things at all times, having all that you need. So that you will abound in every good work. You see, this is the byproduct of the blessing. So that you can abound in the good works that God has called for you. Why does God have supernatural provision and a promise for that set up for you so that you can abound in every good work? And he doesn't leave some out. It's not like he said for the select few. He said for all so that you may abound in all the things all the time for every good work. You know what that tells me? You don't have to have a pulpit to make a difference. You don't have to have a microphone to make an impact. You don't have to sing a song to influence somebody's life. No, you impact them, Chris, in your job. You impact them in your neighborhood. You impact them with your family. You impact them with your life. You impact them through your influence. And part of God's blessing upon our life is for every good work. This is a covenant promise of provision. The third thing that I see through this story is the covenant promise of favor. Favor takes provision to the next level because favor opens up doors for your life that you could never open on your own. In fact, favor gives you what you don't deserve just because you have favor. This is the greatest definition of grace. Grace is God's unmerited favor. In other words, you don't merit, it. you don't deserve it. He just decides to give it to you. Did you know that God decides to give you favor even though you've made mistakes? God decides to bless your life even when you've ran and cursed him. He says, it's okay when they turn, when they admit, when they repent, when they surrender, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be, I'm going to help them. I'm going to strengthen them. I'm going to restore them. Come on, friends. That's the favor of God. In this particular story we see in verse 11, it says, as for Mephibosheth said, the king, he shall eat at my table. Listen to this, like one of my own sons. He shall eat at the table like a king's kid. Do you know what that is? That's adoption. He decided not just to invite him in, but he asked him to be part of the family. He said, look, you're not going to be an outsider at my table. You're an insider. You're part of the family. And you and I, we've been adopted in to the family of God. Listen to what we see here in the New Testament. We see that. We've actually are part of his family. We're no longer outcasts. We're no longer on the outside looking in. So those lies of the enemy, you just need to defeat those today and say, no, I'm not what I've done. I'm not where I've been. I'm not the lie that I'm believing in my head. How I'm kind of like part of the way in God's family. No, no, no. You're either out or you're in. You're not an outsider in. You're in and you're in. All right. You're not an outcast. You're not a slave. No, you're a son and a daughter of God. Listen to what Ephesians 2 in verse 19 through 20 says. It's plain enough. You see, you're no longer wandering as an exile. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers. You're no longer outsiders. You belong. Tell somebody you belong. You have as much right to the name Christian as anyone. Man, you can read that again. You have as much right, not based on what you've done, not based on what you've said, but based on what he's done. You have just as much right as any other person in this room to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. In fact, the scripture says in the message, God is building a home and he's using us all. Irrespective of how we got here. Come on, some of you came on different journeys to get here. Right? I came on a different journey than you do. But irrespective of how we got here to this place in the journey, in what he is building, he has used the apostles, the prophets for the foundation, but now he's using you. He's fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Jesus Christ. See, this is the key. With Jesus Christ as the cornerstone holding all the parts together. You've been shown favor because of what Jesus has done. Through Jesus, you have a seat at the table. You're not an outsider. In fact, you have direct access. Hebrews says you can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. You have access. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to give an offering. You don't have to light a candle. You don't have to ring a bell. You don't have to go to a special place. You don't even have to come here to a Christian church on a Sunday morning. You can do it on Tuesday afternoon. You can go directly to the throne. Isn't that right? That's the difference between us and everyone else because we have a Savior who died, who was resurrected, who's now seated at the right hand of the Father. I don't have to go and pray in anyone else's name anymore. I pray in Jesus' name because He gives me direct access to the Father, the Creator, the one, the only. He gives me that access. But here's the sad part. So many people are living their lives less than God's best because they don't realize the access that's been provided by Christ. It's like a story that I heard recently about a man in the early 1900s before planes, he was buying a ticket so that he could get on an ocean liner and travel from Europe to the United States to cross the Atlantic. And he saved up just enough money so that he could buy that ticket to get onto the boat. He scraped and he saved and he got his ticket. And when the day came for them to load onto the ocean liner, he got on that boat he had brought his some of his food with him some cheese and some crackers to help sustain him on the journey and every day during mealtime he would go up to the deck and sit in the corner and he would eat his cheese and crackers while he looked at the banquet hall and everybody inside was enjoying the food and he didn't have enough money to go into the banquet hall and so every day the same thing happened until, until towards the end of the journey someone from the banquet hall came out and they noticed the man every day out there eating his cheese and crackers And they asked him, they said, well, why every day are you out here and we're in there eating? And he said, sir, I'm sorry to tell you that I only had enough money to buy the ticket to get me on the boat, but I didn't have extra money to buy the meal. And the man, when he heard that, he was puzzled because he said, well, I paid the same price that you did for this ticket. Didn't you know that when you bought the ticket onto the boat, everything on the boat was paid for? You see, that man had the ticket he had been given access but he didn't know what it, it paid for he didn't know what was available he could have been eating the banquet hall enjoying the king's food but yet he's over there in the corner oh just suffering with my cheese and crackers think about this how many people are going through life just suffering when they don't realize what's been paid for they don't realize what's been purchased they don't realize the promises And my challenge for you today is to realize the covenant promise that you have with God through Jesus. You have a covenant promise of restoration, a covenant promise of provision, a covenant promise of favor. And Jesus gave us some instruction on how we can access those promises in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. He said, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. That means through what I say, through what I focus on and through the action in my life, it will actually help me to inherit the promise that's been laid up for me. You see, it's promise, but it's not automatic. It requires participation. Why am I sharing this word with you today as we're studying this story of David? Because I believe there's some promises that have been laid up for you that God wants you to participate in. There's some next level in your Christianity, in your walk with God for the purpose and the good works that he's called you to walk in, that through what you say, through your prayers and through your speech and through your focus and through your action, you can actually begin to walk into a new level. You can begin to walk into a new season. You can begin to walk through open doors, doors that you didn't bang down, but God just opened up. But here's the reality God can open every door in your life, but you still have to walk through it He can promise you goodness, but you still have to receive goodness He can give you grace and mercy every morning, but you still have to wake up and receive it A god that can do anything still can't do one thing and that is force you to choose and to follow him It requires participation on our part. So friends, I want to tell you good news today You have a seat at the table you have a seat at his table. You receive that word today. Would you stand to your feet as we pray? Whatever that looks like for you, whatever the situations are in your life, you can apply this word to your situation. Maybe you've been at a place where you've been feeling like you're on the outside. Maybe you've been in a place where you feel like you've been put aside. Maybe you've been in a place where you feel like you've been forgotten because of others or because of your own choices. But today's a new day. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this place, I want to pray for you today. First of all, for those of you that are here and you recognize I need the grace of God, I need his mercy today to cover some things in my past. In order for you to walk into the promises, you first have to allow God to cover your past To cover the shame and the guilt and to receive his mercy and his grace that's new every morning. And if you need that today, the first group I want to pray for. You say, you know what? I need that. I need his grace and his mercy today for my life. I've been going through some things. I've made some mistakes. But I need that fresh start, that new beginning today. If that's you, just lift your hand all over this place. Just lift it up high wherever you are. I want to pray for you. All right. In the back, on the side, over here. In the back, all right. In the front. All right, God bless you. God bless you. The second group that we want to pray for today, it's for those of you that are here and you recognize that you felt this, the spirit of an outsider. You you felt like maybe this, you weren't worthy enough to inherit some of the things that God has purchased for you. You've been believing lies of the enemy, living in shame or living in that place where You've not really expected God to do greater things because you felt unworthy, maybe as an outsider. But today you say, I want someone to pray for me. I, I want to step out of this and into the confidence that God has given me. If that's you, just lift your hand as well all over this place. I want to pray for you.